Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. So it's not a sin in your church to have an abortion? That's the kind of conversation we would have finding out your story, where you're from. God's the judge. People have to live to their own conviction. The science is clear. The Bible is clear. And if we're honest, our intuitions are clear. We know what we're killing. We're killing a human being. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Frio. Let's talk about every woman in the world, shall we? This is Wretched Radio. Let's talk about women. You know, some Christian radio programs, they might dare to play Air Supply. Only this one would play Air Supply live. What is the status of the treatment of women in a post-Christian world? It doesn't take a whole lot of sleuthing to determine every woman in the world is diminishing in the eyes of, well, men and women. Frankly, why? Because despite what the feminist would protest, it is Christianity that is pro-woman. Can't help but think about how Jesus was radically... Well, I'm just going to use the word because (laughs) it's actually usable in a first century context. He would be considered a feminist back then. Now, I didn't say Jesus is a modern day feminist, but he was definitely a first century feminist. Women's role in society, most certainly secondary, sometimes tertiary. It is the very beginning of the New Testament that reveals Jesus was radically pro-woman. I didn't say he was a 21st century third-wave feminist, but by first century standards, his teaching on women, his treatment of women was absolutely radical. Consider Matthew 1. You see something staggering in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Women. That was not traditional. That was not standard practice. A genealogy in first century Middle Eastern culture would not have a woman in view. Why? Well, because they were not esteemed as highly as Jesus esteems them. Why do we see Tamar in in a genealogy? Why do we see Mary even mentioned in the genealogy? Rahab mentioned. Three women mentioned in a genealogy that just shattered first century understandings of how women should be viewed. And then what do we see? Jesus' treatment of women, speaking to them, interacting with them. They followed him. They supported him. They told others about him. They were the first ones to see him resurrected and given the instruction to go tell the disciples, I'm alive. It's just radical because the testimony of a woman in first century Israel was not to be regarded. Jesus esteemed them enough to say, I regard them. They, They can testify about my resurrection. And then, of course, we see the treatment of women in the New Testament epistles was quite radical for its day. Today's feminism, absolutely Anti-feminine. 
It is absolutely anti-woman. It's not just Islam. (laughs) It's not just some Far Eastern cultural concepts of the position of women. Now, I'm talking about modern-day feminists who claim to be, oh, so pro-woman. And yet, their worldview, their ideology, their understanding of how different genders has caused the world to diminish their view of women. And I have for you more than enough evidence to demonstrate uh, every woman in the world isn't being treated too well. Story number one from The Spectator, basically... The the headline should say, who needs women when you got a robot? That's right. What happens when men choose robot brides is the headline that was actually written in The Spectator. 20 years ago, colleges, universities began chasing men away. It's true. It's very true. Many male students sensed that change and went, who needs it? And so they either stopped going to university I wish more would go into the trades. I love the idea of tech school, community colleges, learn a skill. Um, But a lot of men just said, eh, not going to pursue higher education on any level. The Wall Street Journal noted U.S. colleges and universities had 1.5 million fewer students on campus than they had five years earlier. Now, you could say, well, that's a victory for women. I would say anytime you see an educational disparity, it's it's not good for anybody, frankly. Men accounted for more than 70% of the enrollment drop. Higher education, quote, it's clear men are disappearing from college and university campuses, especially community colleges and the big universities. And one of the reasons, campus climates and services not tailored to men that is asked in The Spectator. What if men do the same thing with the institution of marriage that that they've done with the institution of higher education? In other words, they drop out. They stop seeking an actual woman, and instead, they find themselves married to a robot. Psychologists and sociologists are credible in any way, shape, or form. Women and men want marriage for different reasons. Women tend to marry for stability. They want to build a life with someone. Men tend to marry for the good feelings they get from personal validation and from regular intimacy. Uh, We don't need scientists and sociologists. I think that's pretty observable. And therefore... The suspicion of this author in The Spectator is because men's needs can, to a degree, I wouldn't use the word be satisfied, but perhaps scratched by a female robot, might become the trend. I know. Jimmy just gave me a corkscrew face. Um, this, This article actually addresses Jimmy, not by name, but basically stating, you don't know how sophisticated these robots are. You do not realize that they are able to communicate on a level. Now, texting, phoning, even speaking face-to-face. What do they do? They tickle the ears of a man. And frankly, what man doesn't love that? If If there's a male need, 
That would be one of them. You're amazing. You're incredible. A lot of wives don't say that much. Some never. But you can have an AI robot and you can hear it 24-7. Oh, you're incredible, honey. I know you haven't had a job in six months and you haven't showered for maybe longer, but oh, you're amazing. And men are going to go for it, potentially. Men are currently more likely than women to be in a relationship with a chatbot. That little trend where you create, you define what you want, and then that person chats with you and tells you what you want to hear. 63% of AI companion users are men. Oof. Men have, on average, 50% more sessions than women with chatbots. As men become attached to their AI partners, they enjoy the eye candy on their screen and their personal validation that their chatbot gives them through listening. Now, here's this is for you, Mr. Corkscrew Face. <laughs> Anyone who doubts how realistic humanoids are becoming has not visited YouTube recently. They look real. Their skin feels real. They can have reasonably meaningful conversations. They can learn and adapt. Soon, they'll be designing, redesigning, and building themselves, repairing themselves. Men will be captivated by their beauty and their eagerness to please. Congratulations. We have basically found a way to not need women. No, no. I don't no. think that, look, I don't think it's going to satisfy. I, I grant you, it's only a genuine human that can do that in all of the components of a relationship. But that doesn't mean a lot of people aren't going to take advantage of it as a substitute. Well, I mean, I can get that. I can understand to a degree, like the desire for wanting something to affirm you. But I also, as a man, have a need for my wife to tell me when I'm being an idiot. No, you're not. Well, see, you're different. <laughs> not, not that not that you're the only idiot. We all are. But you want you want that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, most men don't. Hmm. They just want ears tickled. They just want to be encouraged. They just want to be oud and odd. They don't want nagging. They don't want to be challenged. They don't want to be pulled up, which is exactly what marriage should do. It should pull you up, especially the act of intimacy should make a man act like a man worthy of that gift from his wife. But if it can be, if it can be, the box can be checked without any of the emotional baggage or the hard work of earning that act. But people will try it. They're going to give it a go. So what do we see as technology advances without any sort of ethical considerations? We're going to see women not being needed. Women not being taken to the altar. Women left alone because robots are easier. This is Wretched Radio. As you know, we like to talk about MediShare here because it's affordable biblical health sharing. And I actually saw an ad from MediShare announcing themselves to missionaries. How smart is that? What a blessing that might be. If you're not familiar with MediShare, it's an alternative to traditional health insurance, which means it's alternatively less expensive. The average family saves about $500 per 
month. It's Christians sharing the health burdens of other Christians. It's a beautiful thing. Whether you're a missionary or not, if in that is a need you have, I encourage you, metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a nice person who's going to pray for you. And they will tell you what your family can anticipate. And you can ask questions. 844-34-BIBLE. 844-34-BIBLE. Hey, you know, we usually have a lot of fun around here, but today I've got something seriously good to share. Our year-end sale in full swing, and this is not your run-of-the-mill garden variety sale. This is the big one. First of all, we're offering up to 50% off, practically giving things away. And that's not all, because if you order over $50, we're going to ship it for free. But wait. There's more. Here's the big deal. If you spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale, we're going to throw in a Wretched 40-ounce tumbler. Think Stanley, but of the Wretched variety. And this tumbler is so exclusive, you can't buy it. The only way to get your hands on it is to spend $75 or more during the Wretched year-end sale. It's our way of saying thank you for all the support. And speaking of support, if you are so inclined, every donation now through the end of the year is being matched dollar for dollar. It's the year-end extravaganza here at Wretched. It's easy, it's impactful, and hey, it's a pretty good way to avoid whatever else you were supposed to be doing at the moment. Hmm, something is happening in the Philippines. Wait, I know what it is. Jesus is building his church. Please meet Pastor Kitu Espiritu from the Master's Academy International in the Philippines. Your support allows us to fill pulpits and transform lives. Pastors are being equipped to rightly divide the truth. People in the Philippines are hearing the truth rightly preached and coming to know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Jesus is on the march in the Philippines. Souls are being saved, churches are being built, and yet there are too many empty pulpits. And that is where you come in. Would you please consider filling an empty pulpit in the Philippines so that people can hear the word rightly divided? The Masters Academy International training pastors to do just that in the Philippines and 17 other nations. To learn more, please visit wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. God has given the church many gifts for the building up of the body. One gift is the ability to discern between true and false spirits. Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and many false teachers present their lies as God's truth. But God has given us His truth, and He has equipped us to tell true from false in accordance with His Word. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you're wondering who programs the music here, I think it's pretty obvious Jimmy does. This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you ever spin this one into your country music station? I can't say that I did. Probably not. So why'd you pick it for this segment? (laughs) Variety. Because we're talking about women, in my opinion, are not being viewed as highly as they once were. They are not being esteemed the way that they should as image bearers of God. Why? Because Christianity no longer has the predominant voice about women. Instead, secular feminists are the ones who are telling us how women are to think, believe, 
act and even be treated. And I would suggest to you and try to make the case that because secular humanism, radical third wave feminism is so anti-biblical, you will inevitably see the fruit of rotten treatment toward women and children every single time. Jimmy, by the way, Mm-hmm. How many people, how many women are in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew? Four. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> Thought everybody knew that. Oh, just testing. Yeah, I said three, four. We forgot about Ruth. Mm-hmm. The Moabitess included in the genealogy of Jesus. That's radical. This was a Jewish genealogy starting with Abraham. Why in the world would you put a, first of all, a woman into a first century genealogy and a woman who wasn't Jewish? Radical. Reminding us that Jesus' attitude toward women, um, he's very complementarian. Furthermore, not racist, not exclusive. A, another revelation that God always has desired for the whole world to be saved. Wow, the inclusion of one woman in a genealogy, how much that teaches us. By the way, Jimmy, It seems that I possibly made another mistake talking about the, were we talking about the, was the question in the mailbag from last week about the unforgivable sin or the sin that leads to death? The the, uh, um, unforgivable sin. Okay, because I think that I camped on the sin that leads to death, the sin that doesn't lead to death in 1 John 5, that John tells us that, first of all, there's a myriad of of understandings of this particular text, that God will actually take the life of somebody because of a sin. It is not defined. John doesn't tell us what it is. Furthermore, it's debatable whether he's talking about unbelievers or believers. So if it's an unbeliever, the sin that leads to death would be where your cup gets filled up and God says, I am done, and he takes your life. But you should know this too, especially you. Mr. Pornographer, that it could apply to Christians. You could be a believer in unrepentant sin like pornography, and God says, I'm done, takes your life because of a sin. Now, it could be a different sin. It's not necessarily a sexual sin, but if it's an unrepentant sin, and God, for the good of the body, for the good of the truth, for the good of the testimony about Jesus Christ, for your good, for your family's good, could take your life. Nothing to trifle with. That is different. And for some reason, that's that's where my brain was. But this unforgivable sin, as we know it, is, is a different thing. It's in Mark chapter 3, where people were watching Jesus, the religious leaders. They were seeing the miracles performed. It was undeniable. They were looking at Messiah, refused. And Jesus said, all sins can be forgiven. But what we call the unforgivable sin, the sin against the Holy Spirit, not believing uh, that can't be forgiven. Now, this has led to, I think, uh, some bad teaching about soteriology. Jesus said that the only sin that can't be forgiven is unbelief. Some, therefore, conclude, therefore, it is not your sins that condemn you. It is your lack of faith. And in a sense, it's you're condemned because you don't have faith, but it is your sins that damn you. Furthermore, unbelief actually is a sin. And just an aside, if 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 you're one of those people who thinks I've committed that sin 
It's likely you can't even commit that sin if you wanted to, because there is a context. Remember, people were watching Jesus do miracles and they suppressed it. They rejected him with unequivocal proof. This is the Messiah. Nope, not going not to bend the knee. You, you haven't seen Jesus do miracles. You, you have not watched him perform only things that a God-man could do. So you, it's pretty unlikely that you can even commit that sin. And I would finally say this. If you think that you have and you're too far gone, uh, if that concerns you, I would tell you you're not. It's not too late. Don't keep yourself out of the kingdom because you think that maybe you qualify for that sin described in Mark chapter 3. Today is the day of salvation. If anyone will hear his voice, today could be your day that you could repent and put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, be forgiven, adopted into God's family, where it is an actual family. And you'll celebrate Christmas rightly for the first time. Jimmy? What was what was that song that you were playing? Oh yeah, I remember now. <laughs> you got the greatest hits DVD, if I'm not mistaken. Let me share with you. Yes, it is anecdotal, but I think it is a demonstration that the view of women and the treatment of women today it's it's not improving. It's going down. For instance, guess how much prison time in Germany was given to nine. Migrant, mm, I want to use the right word because these days, if you don't, they, they're from other countries like Libya and, and, and Iraq and Kuwait, Egypt. Hmm. They raped a 15-year-old girl for two and a half. And they're still breathing. They shouldn't be in my estimation. You do something. You forfeited your life. These guys, one, 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 going to prayers. The other eight received youth sentences of one or two years, which were suspended under Germany's preliminary probation law. Furthermore, love this. This, if you if you weren't ever persuaded that CRT is really, really bad, this is critical theory. A female psychiatrist testifying on behalf of the defendants argued that their alleged gang rape was a means of releasing frustration and anger stemming from their migration experiences and sociocultural homelessness. In other words, they were oppressed. Germany and the white 15-year-old girl, clearly the oppressor. So, oh, go, go lightly, judge. They're oppressed. What is that? That's critical theory. Treatment of women, CBS, grassroots college networks distribute emergency contraceptives on campus. Over 200 campuses now are providing vending machines with contraceptives. You say, why is that a low view of women? <laughs> I think it almost puts them to the level of an animal, frankly. Go, go be frisky. And you don't, you don't want the blessing of motherhood will help you terminate the life of your child. And by the way, there was just a global study that was done. About 40% of women who had abortions, and this was, this was a pretty broad study, claim depression after abortion. 
So the next time you hear somebody say, oh, women just celebrate it. Nope. Their cuz constantly cause them to be depressed. Cosmopolitan Magazine, a woman's magazine, defends abortion as a satanic religious ritual. The clinic, this is just beautiful. Cosmopolitan has 50 million readers, just so you know. There's a clinic called Samuel Alito's Mom's Satanic Abortion Clinic with a 24-hour hotline. It draws inspiration from landmark court rulings in favor of Christian business owners denying services to LGBT people purely on religious grounds. This is the premier woman's magazine promoting Satan, claiming Satanism is a non-theistic faith with roughly 1.5 million global members. They view Satan more like a mascot, not as a dark, omniscient deity, but a venerable symbol of rebellion, rational inquiry, personal sovereignty, and resistance against tyranny. Oh, so critical theory in Satanism to boot right there. What are they promoting for women in Cosmo? Satanism. Lovely. Oh, by the way, I just found it here. Post-abortion depression, widespread globally, BMC Psychiatry, peer-reviewed journal. This is just 34.5% of women who had an abortion have experienced depression. And finally, the advancement of women. How are they doing underneath the third wave feminist regime? Well, guess who is the fifth most powerful woman in the world? It ain't Whitney Houston, it's Taylor Swift. That's right, congratulations. Oh, don't forget, Beyonce are on the list too. <laughs> I think I've made my point. This is Wretched Radio. And it is now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, the gender chaos continues in California as new legislation demands that retailers are to create gender-neutral sections for toys and children's items or face $500 fines. Apparently, separating action figures from Barbie dolls promotes grave injustices, and we cannot have our little girls confined by domestic play themes, so retailers in California better conform because the ideological overlords have spoken. And speaking of inverted reality, how about a Pennsylvania school board president who thought it was wise to get sworn in on an explicit book depicting illustrations of naked teenage boys in homoerotic poses. Can't make this stuff up, folks. You really can't. Thankfully, parents recognized and ripped into his perverted publicity stunt. And they're trying to tell us the concerned parents are the crazy ones. Shifting gears to the LGBT grooming that takes place in schools across the country, which are trying to, under the radar, push kids as young as nine into private chat rooms, with adult transgender activists, connecting minors with strangers to have secret conversations about topics that children really can't even comprehend seems like a very, very, very reasonable use of taxpayer money and actual educational time. Thankfully, there were some whistleblowers here and raised alarms about the grooming that's going on behind the backs of parents. 
Speaking of shady tactics, undercover video has exposed Pornhub officials of admitting that they want porn to steer young people's sexual identities and perceptions. Of course they do. Propaganda works, folks. It really does. And the industry openly strategizes to profit from distorting adolescent development. That's exactly what they're doing. And parents, please, please, I cannot stress this enough. Beware and know exactly what your children are doing and accessing on the internet. There is a big difference between reality and fantasy, and no doubt pornographers will cry censorship to try to shield exactly what it is they're doing. Finally, from the dystopian corner, the Democratic governor of Wisconsin has vetoed a bill that would protect children from irreversible transgender surgery and medications. Nothing like the leader and chief executive of your state condemning kids to a life of long-term health damage in the name of wokeness. With politicians and governors literally playing political games with the lives of children, it seems to me like medical ethics just mean nothing anymore. And I know that's not across the board and that was a blanket statement. But this should outrage people. I don't care what side of the political aisle you sit on. Children are not experiments and they're not political propaganda playthings. Why can't we just let kids be kids? And that's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Mexican. Pneumatology is a study of the Holy Spirit. Scripture reveals that the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or manifestation, and He is God, the third member of the Trinity. His work is not to provide emotional highs or show up in glory clouds or gold dust. The work of the Holy Spirit is to bear witness to the Savior, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Prepare to thank me in three, two, one. This is Wretched Radio. Why are you soon to owe me a boatload of gratitude? Because I read Christianity Today again, so you don't have to. That's right. For some mysterious reason, we think Jim Osmond is involved. Some sort of retaliation. <laughs> I've been getting copies of Christianity Today. I didn't subscribe. By the way, Jimmy, uh-huh. one buck gets you three months. Ooh. Yeah. Save your hundred pennies. Not that they go far these days in the Biden economy. And as long as I've got a short attention span, did you see the statistic? 60% of all people, um, paycheck to paycheck, Christmas is going to be hard for them. So I guess the word better means different things to different people as we go about the business of building back better. And I, I also noticed another poll. It said that giving for the first time to churches is down for the first time in a decade. And the only churches that are are actually seeing upticks are churches that generate 20 million or more a year. 20 million. Wow, that's a church. I bring that up uh, to encourage two groups of people. If you fall into that 60%, it's it's just hard right now and you're having a hard time making ends meet. Uh, please note that you need to take care of your family first. You need to provide food for the table and you need to give out of what you have as you desire. And right now that might mean very little. It might actually mean nothing because it would cause you to go into debt. Don't do that. Don't go into debt. If you are paycheck to paycheck and you want to give your heart desires to give, believe me, the Lord sees that. 
And he does not want you to sin by giving what you don't currently possess. So take yourself off the hook. There's another group of people, though, who aren't of the 60% of Americans living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you, you aren't affected by this economy, which is... Did you hear what the leader of the free world said? I think he sent out a tweet. Said something. This is pretty close. Inflation is down. Does it feel like that? Inflation is down. So you corporations that aren't lowering your price, you need to bring your prices down and stop price gouging. Um, you know, I I hate to tell you this, but um inflation is high prices. And if the prices were down, then we wouldn't have inflation. But you can't say inflation is down when the prices are up. If you happen to be in the 40% where this 60% paycheck to paycheck statistic doesn't apply to you, um, I would like I would like to lovingly encourage you to perhaps step up your giving with your local church. Because a lot of the people that you love at your church, they 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 can't afford to give right now. And if you can perhaps this would be an opportunity for you to fill that gap. By the way, I have to say that goes for parachurch giving for every, every everybody's in the same boat these days. This economy, it is hard, which is why I would encourage you to not spend that dollar for a three month subscription to Christianity today, which I read so that you don't have to Jimmy, the second edition that I received, this is the November edition it's it's not as bad as the October. I had to think that through. September, October. Yeah, October edition. That was replete with standpoint theory that you interpret the Bible through your perspective, through your upbringing, through your gender, through your nationality, through your ethnic identification. You interpret the Bible through your filter? and eh. You interpret the Bible through a hermeneutical filter, and then you apply it to you in your zip code. That's one of the supernatural aspects of the Bible. It is the book that applies in all cultures, all times. It is not culture-bound. It is not chronologically chained down to a particular century. You read it. What did the original author intend to say to the original audience? What's the principle? How do I apply that? That's hermeneutics, not standpoint hermeneutics. And the October edition of Christianity Today was full of it. This one, not so much. In fact, Jimmy, like a blind knife that finds a shed in a squirrel twice a day, there was actually a good article it was a very last article at the end of Christianity Today titled God's Grace on a Greyhound Bus. It's a testimony, and I have to tell you, it is a much better testimony than virtually every single testimony that we tend to hear these days. I'm not saying that every testimony we hear means the individual isn't saved because it is deficient in details. But I'm saying this guy did a really good job of explaining the gospel in a story-like form. If you're giving your testimony, there are certain components that must be a part of it. They must be a part of it. Otherwise, it doesn't make sense. If, if, if I said to you, uh, I, I, I got this, this letter and I'm in, I'm in big trouble, but I'm not in trouble anymore. You'd go, okay, that's good news. Who sent you the letter? What'd you do wrong? And who took care of your debt for you? 
Without the details, it doesn't make sense. We can't assume details. This guy did a pretty fine job. He was a deadhead. A mystery I've never been able to solve. People would travel around following the Grateful Dead, going to concert after concert. I can't explain that. And he was one of them. His sister, he said, was exploring Christianity. He's jumping onto a Greyhound bus for five days to get to the next deadhead stop. And she said, here, take my Bible. He said, no. She said, no, please take my Bible. And he thought, it's going to be a long trip. I'll take it. And after he got tired of playing his guitar, he opened up the Bible. And here's what he writes. Many people get offended by being told they are sinners. I was not. Jimmy, the word sin was used yep. in Christianity today. <laughs> That's the first. Got to give credit where we finally find something credible. Many people get offended by being told they are sinners. I was not. As I read the gospel story, it was painfully obvious that I had mastered nearly every form of sin under the sun. I was deeply convicted. Now, that's an excellent start. And he could have gone off the rails. And it appears he also. This is really well done. In some ways, I felt more lost than ever. All my earthly idols, drugs, sex, the Grateful Dead, were leaving me empty and dissatisfied. I went, oh, here we go. He had a God-shaped hole in his heart that only Jesus could fill. So he asked Jesus into his heart. Now he's happy all the day. That's not a biblical testimony. That might be the way that you have phrased or expressed yours in the past. But that isn't the gospel. The gospel is not a life enhancement tool. That you've tried everything, but it just didn't satisfy. So give Jesus a go. Ask him into your heart and you'll find contentment. And I thought, uh-oh, uh-oh. Is this Greyhound bus going to go off the road? He continued. Here I sat, coming to grips with my real problem in life, which had nothing to do with finding a high I couldn't come down from. Boom! It's almost like he was critical of the God-shaped hole right there. Did I mention this is in Christianity today? I realized my problem. I'd offended the God of the universe, the maker of heaven and earth. The weight of my sins crushed me. But. One that showed me how great my sin was also showed me, you guessed it, how much greater the Savior is. The gospel was beautiful to me that Jesus had done for me what I could never do for myself, perfectly obey God's law, yet die to satisfy the wages of my sin. <laughs> Jimmy, you would think this guy is now a Presbyterian pastor or something. Not something. That's really solid, dude. That was the most liberating news I'd ever heard. I was startled when I realized I was crying, overcome by the thought that such a well-practiced sinner could be washed clean, made whole, and given purpose in life. I was saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb, and saved by the grace of God. Wow! Christianity Today nails one. But then, the rest of the magazine, if I had to summarize, pretty much was... Donald Trump's a bad guy, basically, <laughs> because it was uh, the, the, the cover story looking past the border while it did not openly endorse open borders. All I will say is Donald Trump was mentioned in a negative light about 10 times. Maybe gives you an idea. What struck me in Christianity today was this letter from Russell Moore. What began as a thoughtful magazine has grown into a global community, a home for Christian storytellers and thought leaders all around the world. And I thought, is that why Christianity Today started? So I Googled it. Billy Graham launched Christianity Today in 1956 with the help of friends and generous partners. 
Christianity Today set out to become, in Graham's words, quote, a flag to follow for believers who did not feel at home in progressive mainline congregations or in reactionary fundamentalist settings. It would, quote, restore intellectual respectability and spiritual impact to an evangelical world. Russell Moore. What began as a thoughtful magazine has grown into a global community, a home for Christian storytellers and thought leaders around the world. Seems Christianity Today would do well to read its actual original charter and be encouraged. Include more good stuff. Stop with your liberal political worldview being injected in this rather soft peddling of a progressive Christianity. Instead, do what that Presbyterian pastor did. Exalt Jesus. This is Wretched Radio. I would say the Tomorrow Clubs is a wonderful ministry. Kids are getting saved like crazy, not just in Eastern Europe, but also in Africa. And it's so efficient. I was just with Paul and Cindy Marty, and I asked, and I said, in, in American currency, how much does it cost to have a kid come to a Tomorrow Club four times a month? So every single week, what, what's the, what does it take to make that happen? Ready? A buck, one dollar. That's it. The kid comes, they get treats, they get materials that they learn the Bible, they memorize a buck because it's it's all volunteer driven. All those dear ones, they're volunteers. It's an amazing ministry. And if you have a heart for the lost in Eastern Europe, Africa, and you love supporting ministries that are super efficient and biblically sound, I would point you in the direction of tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, tomorrowclub.org slash wretched, and ask how many children might I be able to support per month? Hey, thanks so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. I'm here to ask you a question. And that question is that if you have ever considered taking the next step in your support of our ministry and becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Now, if you're not in a position to be an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel Partner, like if you have ongoing debt that you need to deal with, if you're not giving to your local church, then don't. We don't want you to be a monthly gospel partner until those situations are reconciled. But if you have those situations reconciled, then we would love for you to join us as an ongoing monthly wretched gospel partner. Because as you know, our mission is to bring the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to every corner of the world. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening to us and supporting us on a daily basis. And we would love for you to consider becoming an ongoing monthly wretched gospel partner. You can get all the details on how to do just that at wretched.org slash donate. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. I believe in a culture of life. One of the most impactful moments of my life was when I heard the heartbeat of my oldest daughter uh, in my wife's womb and then saw the sonograms of all three of my kids. The sonogram or the, the pictures that are taken of babies, still a profoundly helpful tool, which encourages me to encourage you to consider supporting Preborn Ministries. Preborn Ministries and their network clinics, they are giving away free ultrasounds to women, but they do cost something. It's $28 an ultrasound. And just as you heard Governor DeSantis say, his view of life was profoundly changed when he saw the baby 
baby in the womb when you see the form and the shape and the fingers and the heartbeat. Would you please consider supporting Preborn? It's a great ministry of life. It has a high anthropology, shares the gospel with women and with the dads. Preborn.org slash wretched. Preborn.org slash wretched. Revelation. Special revelation is God's act of making himself known through direct means. In history, God has spoken directly to people like Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, and the prophets. 2,000 years ago, he revealed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. Today, he reveals himself in his perfect word, the Bible. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. The official programmer of Wretched Radio. (laughs) Pink Floyd should be very, very happy because the kids, they ain't get no education. Study after report reveals that what is happening in not all government schools, there are still some very fine institutions left. Schools of higher learning that just want to teach people whatever their field of choice is. But the government system reveals uh, that it ain't working out when it comes to actually educating the kids. Now, we might be making them progressive. We might be turning them into little oppressed people who feel like they have the right to torch a city. Speaking of which, Jimmy, did you see uh, burning down Minneapolis or Minneapolis on fire? I did not. Uh, would you Google it? Uh, the the correct name of it. It is. It's well worth watching. I think it's a Netflix. So if you do Netflix Minneapolis, it'll probably tell you the name of this thing. And it was a a little bit of a documentary. And you've always got to be careful of any documentary. It is highly unlikely that any treatment of historical events is is going to lack a perspective of the producer or the director or the author. It just it, it's going to get in there. Having said that, I got to tell you, it was infuriating to watch. First of all, while I like Minneapolis, you see, I love St. Paul because there's just this little rivalry that's still going on. I love Minneapolis. Spent a lot of time there. Did Wow. Just spent a a great deal of really fun pleasure. it's 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 a good food town. Lake of the Isles, you ride your bike around, it is gorgeous. And the communities with the Victorian homes, and it basically got torched a few years ago. And it shows the response of the officials. That's really what it focuses on. While the reporters are standing in front of a building that is literally engulfed in flames, stating it's a mostly peaceful protest, by the way, why were those things deemed by the mayor of Minneapolis, Jake Fry, who's a really good dancer at a pride parade or something? You've seen that video. And Governor Waltz, they, 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 they were revealing critical theory. You see, these people, they're expre- they've been so pent up for so long. In other words, they've been oppressed for so long. It's OK. It's just brick and mortar. It's OK that they torch a police precinct. And what becomes glaringly obvious is the is is the consistent theme that the leaders were like, we're not doing nothing. You can watch everybody getting hurt, have stuff thrown at your head, 
watch stores get vandalized and observed. And then they let a police precinct get taken? That's never happened in American history. But the mayor of Minneapolis said, look, it's just bricks and mortar. How was he able to justify that? Well, the answer is CRT. These people are oppressed. Therefore, what they are doing is not criminal. It's expressing themselves and it's it's validated and warranted and not a crime because they've been oppressed. The oppression is your get out of jail free card. Jimmy, you find the name of the deal? The fall of Minneapolis. The fall of Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the fall of Minneapolis on fire, which was <laughs> burning. And I'm not sure that Minneapolis has recovered. I, I know that St. Paul hasn't. <sighs> Bums me out. The education system underneath government control is not producing scholars. Here's the report. This is there's all kinds of reports. Uh, this one was from uh, Reuters. Uh, yeah, Reuters. Mathematics reading skills in unprecedented decline in teenagers. Please note this was a global study. These were these were the more advanced, economically wealthier countries that were surveyed. You're not going to be surprised at who did poorly and who did well. Compared to when tests were last conducted in 2018, reading performance fell by 10 points, math, 15 points. Wow. How did they do in Singapore, Macau, Taiwan, Hong Kong, Japan, South Korea? Yeah, they outperformed. But in the West, wow, we've done a bang-up job of, 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 of obeying Pink Floyd and their request to give no education. Because that is what is happening. Singapore did the highest, did the best. Math, reading, and science. They're five years ahead of the peers in other developed countries. Five years ahead. Now, there, there were a couple of suggestions as to why this is the case. They really, this, this major study, they, the OECD, they downplayed covid uh, they they said it was, it, yeah, a little bit, but that's not the totality of it. And by the way, if you were in the military and you refused to take the jab, um, apparently the army just sent out letters to those that they booted out saying, okay, fine, you can come back, clean up your record. It wasn't just COVID that caused this. Once again, poorer results tended to be associated with, here it is, Higher rates of mobile phone use for leisure. Is there really any other kind? Cell phones. This is that one town in Ireland. You remember the parents got together and said, no cell phones in the schools. And apparently families are happier and kids are doing better because they're not distracted. I I really, I can't help but think if the average kid is spending about five to eight hours on a cell phone every day, five to eight hours. What could they be doing with that time instead of looking at TikTok videos? And by the way, I read something about what was the, what is I reading about TikTok videos? Oh yeah, uh, they're they're filled with the 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 ads that they they get TikTok videos that are really filthy on on the TikTok and Instagram. That was the one. The new one is Instagram. It's so much mindless, just life draining dreck. On TikTok and Insta, all of the just nonsense. I get it. Look, I love a dog rescue video as much as the next guy. 
five, six, seven, eight hours a day? Read a book. Tend to the garden. Help them. Do some. Clean your room. Look what at, would kids be doing if they were not spending so much time on the cell phone? You know what I used to do? Mm. Seriously. Mm. Oh, with the kids? <laughs> no, when I was a kid. Oh. Because we didn't have the cell phones. Yeah. I used to stare at the birds. Not because I was bird watching or a fan of that, but it just, it was something to do that wasn't, stare, you know, mindlessly looking at the TV. Jimmy, um, I do have some follow-up questions. I'm wondering if these birds weren't the decorative shiny birds that your mom put in the garden to keep the crows away? They talked to me. <laughs> they were shiny and so captivating. A professor's canceled class. This is at the University of Utah. Professors canceled class and the Women's Center hosted a healing circle. Why? Because a detransitioner was going to be speaking on the campus. This is a woman who is, she, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, she underwent gender reassignment herself. I'm, I'm so sorry. I think she's actually a she. I'm sorry. Uh, the pronoun thing, I don't uh, at any rate, she's traveling around saying it was a really big mistake. She was going to be speaking at the University of Utah. Jimmy, what organization is out there in Utah? Oh, yeah. The ones who dominate <laughs> YouTube these days, the Mormons. And this particular university said, you don't have to go because we don't want you to be, quote, terrorized. At what this woman has to say. That detransitioning is a really bad idea. So they held healing circles, all kinds of demonic things like tarot card readings. Because Chloe, who underwent gender reassignment before realizing her mistake, is transphobic. And students shouldn't feel pressured to come to campus due to safety concerns. What? It's their psyche. It, it's not physical harm. Words cause harm. Words are violence. And you, if you hear this, it might cause you mental duress. And so they offered healing circles. University of Utah. Jimmy, I don't know. If, I didn't see it. Mrs. Friel told me about it. Riley Gaines. Isn't she a brave one? Yep. She was testifying. And apparently a congressperson, maybe a senator, called her uh, transphobic. Mm. And she said, well, based on your opening remarks, I'd say you're misogynistic. Point of order. <laughs> which she had to retract. Didn't care for the, the name being called in return. Schools sending more kids to the hospital. Wow, is this an opportunity? I got to tell you, there's, there's, okay, it's not an upside correctly defined, but there's an upside to these statistics and stories that we're reading. Schools are sending more kids to the ER. Why? To be psychologically evaluated, uh, to be potentially uh, put into a psych ward. These kids are hurting. Is your church near a school, public school? Start talking to the principal. We'd like to help. You're going to get rebuffed. When you're ready, we're here. We'd like to, we'll eat lunch with the kids. We'll tutor the kids. We'll help the kids. We can counsel the kids if you would like. Uh, we'll, we'll do events for the kids. We'll serve breakfast to the kids. How can we help? And if you're near a campus and you can be on the campus, you'd be a great counter to a tarot card reading healing circle. School's going down, but the opportunity for churches is up. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.